This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Today on CityCast Philly, it's the Friday News Roundup. We're talking about Philly's water panic, Temple University's president resigning, and Citizens Bank Park's new ballpark snacks. It's Friday, March 31st. I'm Trina Nuri, and here's what Philly's talking about. Danya Henninger, director, editor of Billy Penn. Hey. Hey, what's up? Hey. I'm thirsty. <laughs> ben Seal, freelance reporter. Thanks for joining me this week. How you doing? Happy to be here. Um, I'm okay. Uh, yesterday on the show, we tasted and graded some iconic Philly treats from peanut chews, pretzels, tasty cakes, you know, my favorite mango water ice and the nasty peeps. Um, so I got to ask y'all, Danya and Ben, what is your favorite Philly treat? I'll go for the candy cake, the tried and true. <laughs> Stick them in the freezer, pull them out, have some fun. Okay. That's a good one. Danya? I'd say water ice, but like real water ice, like 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 Sadiq's water ice or something. Ooh, he has it's Sadiq's, in West Philly. He's yeah. got uh like the white grape water ice. It's amazing. That fruit, the fruit combinations that he comes up with is insane. Shout out to Sadiq. Um, okay, let's get right into it. The water panic. I don't even know what to say anymore. Like I don't even know how and why. Like. Danya, Billy Penn has covered this all week. What is your assessment of how everything unfolded, was reported, was communicated to all of us about this water issue? The city did a good job of communicating early and often, but they didn't really have the right messaging out, I think. And, um, Nina Feldman, who covered Philly fighting COVID, she's at the Daily at the New York Times now, but she was at WHIY and we covered Philly fighting COVID. And she made the observation that like city officials should have learned from the pandemic how to present health messaging. And really what you need to do is present the why, like the reasoning for whatever you're saying from the very start. Because if all of a sudden, you know, if people are, if they're saying, oh, the water isn't going to be safe, but really we we think it might be later, but they didn't say that at the beginning. If they right. had started out by saying like, we're hoping this passes us by, but, and then, but they added that on later. And I, I think that contributed to the the panic. Right. And I think even for me, once, you know, you get that really loud alarm on your cell phone, your heart just starts to race and you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. The amount of people that I saw at like the local Acme near me, I was it it was just chaos. You know, I was fortunate enough to have like water already like in my house, but like um or you know, supply of water, but it was just so unsettling to see you know, older folks like 
panicking. That was scary. That was really scary. And um, and yeah, I I would agree. It didn't have to be that way. I also was just confused too. Like, just as like a, a resident of Philly, I was confused why you know we didn't hear more of this on Saturday as opposed to Sunday afternoon. Well, I, I think Tanya's right that the city seemed to sort of immediately unlearn all the lessons from COVID and and um, instead of trying to keep people calm and inform in a helpful way, um, it sort of went immediately into emergency mode, which is not really what it was in the end. And, and I think it's pretty clear all along that it was not actually an emergency. It could have become a bit of a crisis, but the city did a good job of ensuring it didn't. They just did a bad job of explaining to anybody that that's what was actually happening. Um, and in the in that gap there, you let people uh, wonder what's going on, panic a little bit. And when it's about drinking water, it's a serious concern. You know, this isn't some small issue that people can just wave away. Um, if you can't go to your tap and get water, you're going to get a little bit worried. So I, I think the the messaging there really was um, the issue. Uh, I, I was at an environmental forum for the mayoral candidates this week, and no surprise, the the leadership um, among the city, um, in particular Jim Kenney, came into question right. um, at that mayoral forum, and, and there was a lot of discussion about what the city could and should have done differently, largely based around communication. Why didn't Mayor Kenney show up that first day and drink some tap water? He did it on, on, on Thursday, but what, if he had been out there drinking some tap water as soon as they were like, oh, wait, it's actually okay. We, it's, we're going to push back the emergency. Have him out there drinking some tap water, you know, with gritty or something. They could have done a lo- <laughs> much better job. You know what I was actually hopeful about? I was actually glad I spoke with Frank Coomer from the Philadelphia Inquirer, and he told me that the actual infrastructure of our water systems are good. And so that that gave me some hope because because I feel like if 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 we learned that, like there's all these other problems, I think that would even make it worse. Um, I know that Billy I wrote I read that Billy Penn had spoke with um, a business owner, a restaurant owner, Matt Levinson, and he said he had wished that, you know, not just like the water department um, or like city officials, he had wished maybe like even his restaurant um, associations had some type of understanding or language to kind of like kind of keep him calm, I guess, so to speak. I talked with the restaurant association, one of the folks who runs that, and he was as in the dark, you know, he was scrambling for information. The messaging, what they, for business owners, it really would have been helpful to have a, here's what you do plan. And like you said, Trinae, they had a whole day, right? They didn't really go public with this until Saturday. They did send a press release on Saturday and, and some TV stations picked it up Saturday, but they didn't really go public. So they had that time to come up with a plan for businesses, right? And for residents. And then they didn't come up with a plan. They didn't even say, oh, we're starting to come up with a plan until several days later. Right. Now, I guess, you know, not only just is the communication um, was like an issue, but also just like 
Let's also make sure that, you know, plants and these businesses uh, have the proper measures to if there is a spill, that they're quickly doing it. You know, that also is part of this story. Yeah, I think one of the lessons here actually is that our infrastructure is perhaps a little bit better than people might give it credit for. I think right. um, if you're if you're reading deeply on some of the news here, the lesson is uh, everything was okay and and everything was in position to be protected to, for us to be protected from this spill, despite the fact that it, you know we really need to stop companies from spilling eight thousand gallons of chem- chemicals into our drinking water system. But I think the lesson is. The, the system was okay. It had the necessary stop gaps and safety measures to protect us. The The failure here was on communication at the leadership level. And, and I think that's why you're seeing some of the reaction you're seeing. The, the water was okay. The mayor, maybe not. And the water, I feel bad for the water commissioner because like you were saying, Ben, Philly's water system is like nationally renowned for how how good or how good our infrastructure is mm. and how well they test and how well they handle it and that did not come across um, that wasn't the the end message This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Ben, let's go back to the the environmental forum that you covered um, this week. What were some other key takeaways from that? Yeah, there was a lot of discussion there um, about issues related to the tree canopy, about our park system. Um, You may not be surprised to to find that there was a lot of discussion of crime and policing, even though it was an environmental forum. Um, I think those two issues are actually more linked than people might think. The tree plan that recently came out, one of the important aspects of it was to point out to everybody that an improved tree canopy has a lot of potential to reduce crime. And um, and as Charles Ellison, the host of WURD, who was also the moderator for the panel on Wednesday, pointed out, there's a lot of environmental greening and cleaning measures that the city can take to improve crime issues. And so discussions did come back to policing over and over. There, there's some candidates who I think um, have a bent toward toward talking about policing. But for the most part, I think people recognize that there are opportunities here to improve even the safety issues that are so concerning for Philadelphians right now by paying closer attention to the environment around us. I will say for folks listening, we have a link to the forum and we also have a link to the Philly Tree Plan in our show notes. It's actually a 10-year plan with recommendations around planting, maintaining, and preserving trees in the city. Uh, Dania, is there anything you'd like to add? Well, the part of the 
problem with the tree canopy in Philly is that it's inequitable, right? Neighborhoods where there are lower incomes, um, lower median incomes have many fewer trees and less shade. And not only does that, has that been shown to contribute to the frequency of crime, it's also the heat index, right? Mm -hmm. It gets much hotter when there's no tree canopy and then people who don't have air conditioning, it's just worse off. And so it's really important. I agree, Ben, that like the tree canopy, it's a shame that some candidates may have not taken it seriously because it's like a fundamental issue and they may not see it as one. Yeah, I think there were there were three candidates. The women in the field, frankly, were the ones who I think best represented uh, what the city should strive toward in that regard. There was a lot of discussion um, and not just lip service, but a lot of genuine discussion of ensuring that we have equitability in our infrastructure, in our tree canopy um, across the board, because the city needs to do a better job of protecting the most vulnerable residents, has not done a very good job of that to this point. But the next mayor is going to have an important role in that. And with climate change and, um, and, and issues like the water crisis potentially coming up more and more in the future, making sure that everyone is protected and not just our wealthier residents and communities is going to be a really important role. I would say that Helen Gim, Maria Quinona Sanchez, and Rebecca Reinhardt demonstrated a, a pretty good understanding of that and, um, and a commitment to it on the stage. I also read in uh, Grid Philly that this plan um, would also generate, uh, hopefully generate nearly 70 new positions within the Parks and Recreation Department. Did anybody talk about like the economics behind this plan or what um, possible opportunities could come of this or? The tree plan itself wasn't discussed at great length. Um, there were there were sort of nods to needing to improve the tree canopy more largely. And they, the candidates did all raise their hand and say, yes, they will commit to funding and, and pursuing the tree plan. Uh, there's a big funding gap between uh, between where we're at now and, and doing that, which is going to be $25 million a year for quite a long time. Right. And Parks and Rec, that department has, their budget has kind of like decreased, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but but it one of the important aspects of the tree plan is those new jobs, dozens of new jobs. Part of the tree plan calls for ensuring that those jobs are equitably filled, that there are you know people from all over the city who have access to those jobs and creating really a, a pathway for people to begin working in the park system, to be working in the tree system, to to build a, you know a life through this work that's going to be vitally important to our city going forward. Can I just jump in that the pathway and the getting people in, that is the critical part right now, not the funding, because okay. the city has such a staffing crisis that one in five municipal government jobs is empty. And so there is money right now for hiring these people. It's not it's not the funding is not the blocker um, in most departments for filling those positions. So I'm glad that there's a plan for like training and making pathways for people to come into city government because something else has to be done. Something else has to happen with staffing in order to fill these positions and have our basic services met. That's a good point. Another story that caught my eye this week was Temple University and uh, the president, Jason Wingard, uh, the first black president at Temple, is resigning uh, for for full disclosure. I'm a graduate of Temple University. Um but this this shocked me because I was like, wow, he just got there. And 
you know, was riddled with so many issues. Um, Ben, I know that you have been covering some of those issues and Danya, um, same with Billy Penn. What's your assessment of this one? Yeah, I've been I've been writing about that for Danya at Billy Penn, um, the the Temple Graduate Student Union strike, at least. Right. And I think that was definitely a factor here. It does seem like the safety concerns were um, were starting to really percolate in a way that got to to be a little bit too loud for for Wingard to handle, perhaps leading to uh, the faculty vote of no confidence. That's a, a tough thing to come back from. But I think between the safety, between the strike, which lasted six weeks, it was just a lot in a really short tenure for him to to manage through. And it didn't seem like very many people on campus had any confidence that he was the right person to manage through it. But I feel like I graduated back in, what, 2010? I mean, it, it was like crime was always there. Like, um, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that one. I have heard that there's been some backlash or, or, or people who are upset that, sure, other temple presidents had plenty of bad things that they had to deal with and right. navigate the school through, and that this is Temple's first Black president and did that have anything to do with it. It's apparently at some meetings, you know, faculty meetings, there were other Black faculty who were raising that issue and saying, look, this is really kind of an unfair thing that other people had really other presidents had hard things to deal with. Why is it that this person was attacked in this way to the point where they had to resign? On the other hand, he didn't have to resign. He could have weathered, he could have stayed, you know, who knows five months from now, if he had decided not to resign, there could have been a path past this. So. Yeah. And I think, I think ultimately you're right. The safety, it's not like the the safety issues are so far out of hand compared to what they were in the past. I think one of the things that kept coming up, you, you kept hearing this word corporate attached to him. Um, I think there was a sense from students, from faculty, certainly from the striking graduate student workers, that he was not really the right type of leader, nothing to do with race, but just a matter of having a corporate a corporate background that made him maybe uh, sort of make some decisions that weren't in line with what Temple really needed most and that that ultimately didn't align. And, and so it seems to me like that was maybe the the real crux of the issue was his approach to the job. But I do think these are all really valid points to be raising regardless and, and something that that the university and, and the city should be thinking more deeply about how it all played out. And now it's really hard from what I gather at Temple, if you're working at Temple, like it's a mess. <laughs> what, what is the path forward? Right. All interesting. We'll keep um, up to date with that story. Um, so we got to end on some good news. Uh, the Phillies, thank God. <laughs> um, I really, really am hopeful of this year. Um, I I was just very energized from last season, although, you know, we didn't make it, but definitely energized. Um, but this story I thought was great. Uh, Citizens Bank Park will be introducing some new ballpark food on the menu. They've got vegan options from this uh, restaurant called Greens and Greens. Um, they're going to offer a gyro pita and a chicken 
parm pesto panini. Um, you know how they spell chicken, C-H-K apostrophe N. <laughs> um, and yes, this will be um, around section 125, around like behind the home plate. So, uh, you know, we started with some treats. Got to end. What's your favorite ballpark food? I'll go for the federal donut. Not a traditional Ooh. ballpark food, but it, it might be the tastiest thing they have there. <laughs> okay, for sure. Which, do you have a favorite flavor? Oh, whatever they got. Whatever they got. Way. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I miss, this is like the opposite of vegan food, um, but I miss the Schmitter. Oh, you know, what, what's that? Like, so the Schmitter is a sandwich. It's like a beef fried. It's like almost like a cheesesteak meets hot roast beef sandwich. It's from McNally's Tavern in Chestnut Hill. And they, for a long time, they had a stand at Citizens Bank Park. Um, they had a, closed it the couple of years ago but it's a delicious delicious sandwich it's on a kaiser roll and it has beef frizzled beef it has cheese it has tomato it, it's just a, and this amazing sauce it is so good oh that sounds great donia henninger director editor of billy penn and ben seal freelance reporter thanks y'all for joining me this week on citycast philly thanks so much thanks for having me It's time for the tip of the day, where we share a life hack for living in Philly. FDR Park's Southeast Asian Market reopens on Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. There will be over 80 food and market vendors. Make sure you bring cash because some of the vendors only take cash. The market will run until October 29th. To find out more about this, go to phila.gov. If you have a tip of the day, we'd love to hear from you, too. Call or text us at 215-259-8170. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Our lead producer is Mallory Falk. Our producer is Abby Fritz with help from A.K. Aluman. And our Hey Philly newsletter editor is Brittany Valentine. Our host is me, Trinae Nuri. Music is by Philly's own Interminable, with additional music from All the Kimonos and James Weldon. If you enjoyed this week of episodes, please tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Philly. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend and be safe. Bye.